RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Live Bold and Boss Up show. Today, our guest is a very close friend of both of ours and my mentor for a while now. Um, He has over 25 years experience as an executive and entrepreneur in the professional staffing industry. He is currently president and co-founder of Next Path Career Partners. Um, Prior to Next Path, Dan was the founder and CEO of Veritas Corporation. And after founding Veritas in 2001, the company expanded to 14 geographic markets across the U.S. and grew to over $100 million in revenue. And in December of 2014, Veritas was acquired by Hayes PLC, and Dan stayed on as CEO of Hayes U.S. And then later as chairman until his departure in 2018. Dan currently serves on the board of trustees for the University of Tampa, and he previously served on the board of Metropolitan Ministries, Tampa Museum of Arts, St. Leo's College, and the Tampa Bay Technology Forum. Dan is a Tampa native, graduate of Robinson High School and University of Florida. Welcome, D-Rod, Dan Rodriguez. Welcome. Well, hey, I appreciate that introduction. We're going to cut that out. (laughs) And I'm going to go ahead and give you my own introduction. Uh, My name is Dan Rodriguez, and uh, I've been in staffing for 25 years. I was the former founder of Veritas Corporation, where I got to meet um, Stephanie and am very proud to have been her mentor for many years now. I was fortunate to uh, to grow a, a company, Veritas, to, to over $100 million, which we, we sold back in 2014, and uh, very proud of that. Had great, great folks that, that worked for me, worked with me, and um, really happy to be here today. Um, and uh, with um, Ash and Steph. So nice. go ahead. Nice. Okay, well, let's kick it off, Dan. So talk to us about creating companies, right, um, especially how it's important to create the excitement around those companies. You have to hire great people to work with. Um, you surround yourself with great people, you'll be successful. When I had Veritas, I had Dave Hall, Vicki Atkins, James Holly. All um, very um, successful, motivated partners who uh, just refuse to fail. And uh, now I, I feel so fortunate after having a successful exit back in 2014 in, um, again, having just surrounded myself with a great group of people who just refuse to fail and uh, no matter what, and uh, will make uh, Next Path a, a very successful uh, venture. Yeah. So, um, so. Around creating excitement, right, for for those companies when you were creating Veritas and now that we're creating NextPath, um, what would you say is the most important piece um, to, to creating excitement around the business initially? Yeah, people got to love to come to work and they got to feel um, very good about who they're working with and working for. And at, uh, at Veritas, we, we try to create a culture that, you know, people love to come to work every day. And they felt like they were cared about because they were cared about. 
And I think we're trying to replicate that at, at Next Path. Um, you know, we're trying to keep, um, you know, an environment where the, uh, the culture is pure and uh, the people all honestly care about each other. And uh, Ash and Steph are very instrumental in that and creating a, a, a great culture um, of people who love to work together, who work, work very hard, but, but have fun as well. So it sounds like there's many things that you can do to create excitement around or in a company. What would you recommend or what is the number one thing that you would recommend new business owners to do to maybe attract new employees to their company? Yeah, I think when you talk about your business and when you get out there in the community, you have to, you know, be passionate about it. You have to be excited and uh, you have to create that excitement in the community that that you're a place that people wants to work and that, um, you know, you're an environment that, uh, that people are going to want to come to work at every day um, and that they're going to be able to make a contribution and that they're going to be relevant in their job. Um, I think that's um, just... That's really key to creating the excitement out there. So we've gotten a lot of questions from random, you know, recruiters, AMs, just people that do want to join NextPath and how to join um, or maybe just just start in recruitment, right? Um, what do you think is important? Do you usually hire for skill set? Do you hire for culture? What do you look for? in employees when you hire in these in these new companies? Yeah, I think the number one thing here at NextPath is um, we look for a good culture fit. Um, being in staffing for a long time, we have a lot of folks out there that I've worked with in the past at, at K-Force or at Veritas that are, are very talented, very capable, great producers. But at NextPath, what's most important to us is, is culture. We want a culture where everyone works together, where we um, are all striving for success. You know, we don't want politics in the pit. We don't want, uh, um, you know, uh, animosity. We want, you know, positive attitudes. We want people who are focused on success and getting better every day. Um, so that's that's what we're looking for at, at, at Next Path. So with everything going on right now and a lot of people are working from home, What's your recommendation for business owners to keep that great culture going and, you know, whenever their employees are not in the office, how do you keep them excited? Right. Yeah, that's huge right now. Yeah, you know, I think um, I think we've done a great job of that at, at NextPath in that, um, you know, we do things over video together. We create that team environment. We've done workouts together. We've done, you know, call blitzes together. We've done, uh, you know, lots of fun things together. And I think, um, you know, that continues to create that connectivity uh, between the company, that sense of belongingness and that you're cared about and that uh, you're all in this together in, you know, overcoming a very challenging environment and creating something that's really special. Uh, I think I think people want to be a part of that kind of thing. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like the togetherness. I like you know, being a part of just different pieces together. So tell me about, you know, this may be more for like when in your Veritas days, but when you have kept employees for, you know, three years, five years, 10 years, um, I'm sure they've, you know, 
come to you, you know, looking for more things to do, right? How do you keep those employees happy? How do you keep them content and excited still about the companies? Yeah, it's funny with Veritas, when we started, I think that um, we were looking for a lifestyle business. You know, we had an office in Tampa, an office in Orlando, and we were doing really well. And uh, the ownership group was doing good. Uh, but over time, we accumulated a lot of really good people who wanted opportunities. They wanted opportunities to grow, and that forced us to grow. So by the time I, you know, sold the company and left, we had fourteen or fifteen offices, and we had created opportunities all over the country for people to go and really be an entrepreneur within the organization to go out and start their own uh, businesses in you know Raleigh and D.C. and Chicago and Dallas and you know, many other cities out there. And I think it's an incumbent on a business owner to create opportunities for the people that work for them. Uh, because, you know, if you don't, then they're going to move on and they're going to go somewhere else. Um, so you have to do that as an entrepreneur. You have to keep growing. So that kind of, you know, getting a little bit off topic, but has me thinking, keeping employees happy and excited you know, makes me think of pay. I mean, they can be happy to come to work every day, but eventually they're going to want more money. Right. You know, that's what it, that's what it, you know, comes down to. It's not the most important part. However, you know, people want to be felt their worth. They want to feel their worth. So whenever you hire someone or whenever they've been with you for a year, five years, 10 years, and they're asking for a salary increase, how do you recommend they come to you and ask for that? Great question. Yeah, you know, I've always thought that um, in any company that you're with, whether it's Veritas or NextPath or a big company or a small company, it's important to build a relationship with um, your manager. And if you're asking for an out-of-cycle increase, that's a conversation that you need to have off-premises, whether it's at lunch or over a drink or whatever, um, that's a situation where, you know, you need to, you know, let your boss know how you're feeling. You know, hey, gosh, I, f- I feel like I'm doing a good job. You know, give me some feedback. If I'm not, tell me. Tell me I'm not doing a good job. If I'm doing a good job, then tell me I am and know that I'm getting calls every day from other companies that, you know, are interested in uh, in bringing me in. And uh, I'm loyal to the company. I love the company. But um, I feel like, uh, you know, what what is it that I need to do to put myself in a position for an increase? And I think that if you do that in a non-business, uh, more social environment, I think it comes off a lot better than when you schedule a meeting with your boss, walk into their office, and essentially, you know, demand an increase. Uh, That never seems to go over real well. That's a great point. Yeah, and I love, because actually this was a real question that we came to you and asked. Well, we weren't asking for raises, but (laughs) (laughs) but we were asking you, I think someone came to us with that question, and we were talking about it, and I loved, like I hadn't really thought about it like that before, about, you know, going to coffee or lunch with your boss you know, getting to know them on a personal level, they're more apt to give you that raise. Right. Huge, huge boss bite there. Yeah, no, huge. As opposed to just saying, hey, like, I I need to talk to you, and then going into their office and you're not knowing them very well, like, the chances are way higher 
by having that relationship and stepping outside the office in a more personal environment. Right. Yeah. When I hear that, when I, you know, hear the differentiation you're making between being in an office setting and being out to lunch or out to drinks or out to coffee, it makes sense, right, to have a more um, relaxed dialogue with your boss in an outside setting rather than an office. I feel like if you if you go into the office and ask that, it's going to seem more like a demand rather than asking them for their um, advice, right? And you want to come into that conversation more asking for advice rather than a demand. Yeah, exactly. And let's be clear, guys. Um, I mean, most of the folks that were that we're talking to our audience or in some type of, you know, sales organization. And, um, you know, when you're in sales, I mean, it's, if you don't have a relationship with your boss, that's a flunk. Um, and you know, everything you're selling to customers, you're selling internally, you're selling externally. That's very important. You have to build a relationship with your boss so that you can, step outside of the work environment and get real. And whether it's about a compensation increase or another type of issue that you're having at work, I think that successful companies have leaders that are receptive to uh, employees that want to have, you know, personal relationships with them. Um, one of the things that I always enjoyed at at Veritas was, and at Next Path was, Having folks come to work and, you know, seeing them, you know, get married, have kids, build houses, grow in their career, that was always something that I really enjoyed. So I think letting your boss in is a, is it's, that's a part of your career and it's, and it's very important. I like that. That's huge. Yeah, I definitely want to keep, you know, keep a relationship with all of the team members. That's really special. I mean, we have a special bond already with everyone here at Next Path and, I couldn't see that not continuing, right? Right. And I think that you were always really good at that, Dan, because even as like whenever I joined Veritas, you were sitting in the pit with everyone and you were just like everyone else and you were very approachable. You weren't that person that was, you know, not approachable that people couldn't come up to and talk to. You walked around, you talked to everyone, you were everyone's like friend. Anyway, and I think that that goes a long way for the the leader as well, you know, to have that. Yeah, I think um, one thing that uh, you know my uh, my 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 dad taught me a long time ago that is that leaders are are not successful just because they're good leaders. I mean, leaders are successful because you know the people that they lead do a good job and they want to work hard uh, for you and do a good job for you. And, you know, I really do believe in, it's a cliche, but I really do believe in the upside down pyramid in that, you know, my job as a leader is to make everyone else's job easier and uh, to try to remove barriers to them being successful and uh, just, um, you know, making sure that uh, I give them everything that they need that uh, they can achieve maximized uh, success. Love it. Qualities of a good leader. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we could talk a lot more about your success in starting companies and, you know, your leadership, but I wanted to get into how you add real value at Next Path right now. 
<laughs> so let's talk about that for a minute. <laughs> so every day, Dan comes in with he wants to add value, which I love. Um, he he adds his one little piece of value, and he's like, "All right, I'm out. I'm out. I added I'm value. Done for the day. I'm done." Um, but how he how he's added real value, the most value. So, um, we we have an office dog who comes in. Dan loves Nitro. Shout is his out name. to Nitro, our cute puppy. And he's he's getting, he's not even a year old yet, but he came in as a baby. And, you know, obviously he would, you know, wasn't potty trained yet. And that was Dan's, you know, real add to value right there was he would help pick up, you know, nitros. <laughs> yeah. Or take him for a walk. Or take or, him for a walk or play with him. Oh, my he gosh. He would want attention. He would whine while we were all on the phone and we have this open office concept. And we were all like, okay, a nitro's whining. We're trying to be on the phone. So Dan would get up, go play with the dog, go play fetch so he wouldn't be whining. So that was his huge value add for the day. Yeah. Nitro's like a kid. As soon as we get on the phone, he starts whining. Or as soon as we're in a meeting, he starts wanting attention. But yeah, Dan would always play with Nitro. Value added. And even when our kids came in, he would play with them, unclog toilets, and <laughs> all sorts of fun stuff. Pick up hamster poop. Pick a <laughs> Take him to Starbucks. Side note, our office has been completely sanitized and cleaned <laughs> and wiped down a million times. Well, and all of this comes to from being in quarantine where we're at home 24-7 with our kids. We would, you know, come into the office and we would occasionally bring them in. Mm-hmm. And Dan would be kind of be like our babysitter in a way. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think aspirationally, um, my aspirations were probably different with the old company uh, whereas with the new company, Next Path, um, again, I just want to add value every day. And, you know, we've been able to surround myself with uh, really good people where, you know, I can do the little things. Like today I took down some whiteboards. Okay. You know, I, I just – those are the kind of things I do. And uh, I think that uh, I'm also a really good business developer. So on a serious note, yeah. uh, I do that as well. I've been around a long time, so I, I know a few people out there. And I think that's the other way I add value. But um, aspirationally, I want um, I want my uh, my team to be in the forefront and driving the business. And uh, I'm very comfortable being in the back seat now. I like that you come in every day thinking about right. You're focusing on value, adding value. And I think maybe if everyone did that, if they came in saying, "Okay, what value can I add today?" Maybe their day would be more successful. Right. Shall we get into some rapid-fire questions? I think we should. We so. have right. some, special, yes. some special questions um, that we dug up. You know, these are some real questions that our clients actually ask our candidates when they're interviewing. So, Dan, being at staffing for so long, we really wanted to see, could you possibly answer these questions? Here we go. Number one, first one is, why are manhole covers round? Manhole round? <laughs> I want to say cover on the end of it. I don't know why. Yeah, Is it just manhole? <laughs> you want to say cover because manhole just sounds It just awkward. sounds interesting. Yes, it needs to be completed. 
Yeah, that's a that's a really good question, and uh, I think because um, you know they have ladders in them, and uh, you know some of the guys that go down the holes are um, uh, you know they're big guys, and uh, so you know they need to be round. I mean, if they if they were square, they would get stuck, and <laughs> so I think that's why they're round. I mean, that's that's just my personal view. Yeah. And there's no right or wrong answer. Right. The purpose, I think the purpose that they ask these as interview questions is just to see your thought process. Right. If you're thinking things through, like what are you thinking if you're like just processing everything, just how you think out loud. If you're quick on your feet even. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Second question is a great example of these, you know, random interview questions, but thought process is important. So you've been given an elephant. You can't give it away or sell it. What would you do with the elephant? I'm sure in some countries they eat elephant. So I would probably, you know, look and see if there's a way to, you know, cook elephant properly. Um, If there's not, I'd probably put a saddle on him and go ahead and have the kids in the neighborhood come over and ride the elephant And, you know, maybe, you know, I'd probably do it for free at this point. But, you know, maybe 25 years ago, I'd charge 20 bucks to have them walk around on the elephant. But I think at this point, I'd probably do it for free. Nice. I think I would keep the elephant as a as a animal. As a pet. As a pet. That's yeah. My kids would want to keep him as a pet. Yeah. I mean, I think I would just fall in love with them. Right. Any animal. I mean, you're probably going to have to cut the eat part out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so how about this one? Gosh, I've heard this so many times, and it it it's almost stressful to hear. Um, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be and why? You've heard this a lot of times. So many times, really? haven't you? No. Oh, so many times. I Let's be, hear it. I would be a big live oak tree. Um, I because, knew you were going to say that. Yes, I love live oak trees. Um, there's nothing better than on a spring day to lay underneath a live oak tree and have a picnic and a bottle of wine. Um, so I think being a live oak tree would be nice because I would be able to see people, you know, hanging out and having a good time underneath my branches. So live oak for me. Okay. So just a side note, is a live oak like the type of tree as opposed to like a dead oak? (laughs) Well, I... I don't know. That's a good point. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm from Florida, so I've always called them live oaks. I mean, I think it's a certain kind of tree, but um, it's different than an oak tree, I'm pretty sure. But, you know, I'm not a treeologist, so I don't really mm. know okay. if that's okay. a proper term. No, I'll did. research that later. Mm-hmm. So we finish this interview, and you step outside the office, and you find a lottery ticket that ends up winning $10 million. What would you do? Well, I would immediately give Ashley a million dollars, and I would give Stephanie a million dollars. Then I'd probably give my sister two million dollars because she just moved here from Japan (laughs) and uh, is finding her way here. So I'd give her two. Then I'd have to pay three or four million in taxes, so I'd probably keep what's left from that. Oh, I'm so glad I'm on your list. Thank you. Is it because we're just here right now asking you (laughs) that question? (laughs) All right. So let's say if you had to be shipwrecked on a deserted island, but all your human needs, such as food and water, were taken care care of, of, (laughs) 
What two items would you have with you? Can I reread that? That was confusing. (laughs) Hold on a second. Let me make this crystal clear. If you had to be shipwrecked on a deserted island, but all your human needs, such as food and water, were taken care of, what two items would you want to have with you? Well, I would certainly want to have a dog. That would be number one because, you know, you have to have a— you know, a friend there, so uh, a dog would certainly be one. Um, the other would be, of course, I would want to have my wife there with me. Otherwise, I'm going to get shot because Clearly. I know this is going to be on here. So it would be a dog and my wife, or if my wife didn't want to be there, then I'd probably take my son. So that, those would be my two items. Aw, that's awesome. That would be fun if your food and water were taken care of, right? I think I would have so fun. fun. That sounds like a vacation. But you don't have clothes. You don't have shoes. Overrated. <laughs> I, I really don't mind running around naked, especially if there's no one to see me. So right. it, it would be fine. I like this next question. Are you a hunter or a gatherer? I am absolutely a hunter. And why? Uh, if I want something, I go out and get it. Um, never, uh, never hesitate. Never have been afraid. And uh, I uh, encourage that in all people. I think, uh, you know, the last thing you want is to, you know, be on your deathbed and, and you know, have wanted something your whole life and, and never even tried, never uh, even took a shot. So um, definitely view myself as a hunter. Absolutely. Never second guess. Go out and get it. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Don't want to leave anything on the table. Don't leave anything on the table. Right. Okay. This is a crazy question. I've never heard this question before. Steph dug this up. How much do you charge to wash every window in Seattle? Yeah, well, in Seattle right now, I probably wouldn't want to go there. Um, If I had to, you know, wash in the uh, chop zone, I'd be afraid. Um, Mm. So that's that's probably not something I would accept any amount of money for. So uh probably probably uh pass pass on uh, no. washing windows and see <laughs> unacceptable you have to state an amount please sir <laughs> okay <laughs> an amount in Seattle i would probably charge per window um i i think 10 dollars a window is fair if i have to go the higher i have to go up the more i charge so if i'm above the 30th floor then maybe it goes to 20 and if i'm above the 50th floor maybe it goes to 30 um, so I, I think that would be fair. I like that thought thought process better, right? If this was an interview question and someone actually, you know, asked you this question, you can't just cop out and say, well, in this certain climate, I wouldn't go to Seattle. So I like your second answer by saying, you know, hey, this, this monetary value for these lower level windows. And then as you go up, it's higher. Yes. I think that's acceptable. I agree with Ash. Great. We can cut that first part. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So next interview question, how many pennies would fit into this room? Where are you guys finding these questions? (laughs) These are legitimate questions. Actual questions. Actual interview questions. Okay. This room is about measurement queen here. Hold on. What? 12 by 10? Well, I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, about 12 by 10. Yeah, so I'm thinking if you're, if you're talking about pennies, mm-hmm. I know probably about 20 pennies, and they would all fit in this room. <laughs> oh 20 my God. pennies, yes. 
Um, so I think. Do you about, really know that many 20, women who are named Penny? I do. Yes, I think all twenty. <laughs> I think all twenty pennies would fit in here. Maybe only fifteen, but. Uh, yeah, I think that's about right. Now, that is definitely a unique way of thinking about this question. <laughs> I like that. Instead of thinking money, pennies, coins, you're thinking about the female named Penny. I'm, I'm always I trying like to that. be creative if I can. I like that. I think that shows creativity mm-hmm. and uniqueness, and then you get your interviewee to laugh. Right. Yes. Yes. Interviewer. Always the goal. Interviewer. Always to the laugh. goal is to make y'all laugh. That's why people listen to this show. Let's hope so. So here's another question that I thought was really unique that shares a lot about a person. What was the last gift you gave someone? Hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like, you know, every day I receive a gift of good advice from somebody. Someone will give me a tidbit of information that, you know, helps me view things in a different way or maybe see their perspective. And I like to you know, try to do that in return. So um, I think just in daily conversations, we have to look at every conversation as a gift where we give something and we get something in return. So I like to think that, you know, today I gave you guys a gift and earlier in the day I, you know, got a gift from you guys in terms of some um, tidbit that you gave me. So that's, that's kind of the way I like to view things. I, I like that a lot because I wasn't thinking about – you know, words of advice for gifts, I was actually thinking something tangible. So that made me rethink my whole process of a gift. So I like that a lot because a gift can be um, just just a piece of advice to help you along through your day, right? Um, that's huge. I love that. Yeah, no, I agree. Like the greatest gifts are, are not you know, tangible items. I mean, the greatest, greatest gifts are, are wisdom and advice and you know, just, again, tidbits of information that help you see a different perspective or a, another way of viewing things. Mm-hmm. Right. Or even just time with someone I would even consider a gift. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Last interview question. If you could compare yourself with any animal, what would it be and why? We all have to answer this, by the way. I love this question. Okay. Dan, you're first. Um. That is a tough one. Um, I think that uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, I guess, a wolverine, you know, a tenacious animal that, you know, doesn't give up and kind of like overcomes. I mean, I've always, uh, you know, prided myself on um, um, I don't uh, I don't stay down long. And if I get, you know, a setback, I I try to you know, overcome it and move forward and make the best out of it. And uh, when I think of that, um, I think of uh, Wolverine. So uh, that's my animal, and I'm sticking to it. I like it. Nice. What about you, Steph? Uh, I mean, I feel like this is so cliche, but I feel like I would be a dog. I I mean, I feel like I would compare myself to a dog because I feel like – I mean, they're man's best friend, they're loyal, they're lovable. They're always happy. Always happy. In a good mood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not to like, you know, boast about myself or whatever, but I I relate myself to a dog. Definitely. Yeah. I'm torn. Maybe you guys can help me. 
Um, on my computer screen, I have a lion. I'm a Leo. Love the symbol of the lion. But then also, I think my spirit animal is the Komodo dragon, which is super fierce and unforgiving, which is interesting. Mm. So I don't know which one I would choose, but it's between the Komodo dragon and the lion. Wow, those are both good ones. Uh, yeah. Very good animals. Thank you guys so much. Thank you to Next Path. Thank you to the Tampa Bay Way for having us here. Definitely subscribe to us, like us, share a comment, ask a question. If we didn't cover anything, happy to answer it for you. And until next time, live bold and boss up, babes. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crochelle. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. Everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.